Welcome to Today on Broadway for Tuesday, July 24th, 2018. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tiamanini. And I am Broadway star's James Marino. James, uh, before we get started, we had a little piece of news coming out of uh, the uh, Washington, D.C. area where it looks like the pre-Broadway run of Ain't Too Proud, the Temptations musical, set a record um, uh, at the Kennedy Center where it uh, grossed in a one week $955,660.50, set a new uh, Kennedy Center record. It broke the record previously held by the Kennedy Center's own 2011 production of Follies. Uh, you know, I, I don't know what this means for Broadway. It has about 18 other out-of-town tryouts before it'll eventually come to Broadway for this show. Um, but, you know, it's one of those shows that had much better reviews than Summer when it was out at the Berkeley Rep. So we'll see if it keeps picking up steam. I think it goes to Toronto next before Broadway. Uh, Los Angeles as well. I think it goes to L.A. at the Amundsen Center and then Toronto and then maybe Broadway in the in the spring. But who knows? It sounds like people in D.C. Are, are wanting to buy tickets to see it. Huh. That's interesting. I, you ever uh, go to the beach and stand on the shore and look way out into the ocean and say, that's going to be a big wave? No. No? Okay. So, Should uh, I? You know, sometimes it is a really big wave and sometimes it's not. So uh, it seems like we have a lot of things on the horizon with the Moulin Rouge and the yep. Temptations and a few other things, but they are far out in the ocean right now. Very true. All right. Uh, so first up in the news, the critics weigh in on uh, Straight White Men's Broadway debut. Yes. Uh, yesterday, we mentioned that the fact that straight white men would be opening on Broadway tonight. It is Young Gene Lee's dark comedy directed by Anna D. Shapiro, starring Kate Bornstein, Josh Charles, Ty Defoe, Army Hammer, Stephen Payne and Paul Schneider. It is a second stage production opening at the Helen Hayes Theater. The show previously played off Broadway in 2014, in which Lee actually wrote and directed. We are still getting some of the reviews in, but I have a handful here that I wanted to share with everybody. First up, Matt Winman, writing for AM New York, said, quote, there is no character development or plot besides a handful of guys sitting around on a couch. As their father looks on, the three young men play games, including a retold version, a retooled version of Monopoly created by their mother, joke around, breaking into a parody version of the title song of Oklahoma and strut around in matching pajamas. Matt Winman did not like it. However, Frank Sheck from The Hollywood Reporter seemed to appreciate it a little more. He said, quote, straight white men is great fun for much of its running time, but the play falters when it attempts to explore more serious terrain. The playwright doesn't manage to convey successfully what she's trying to say about the expectations that inevitably accompany privilege. The work's ambiguity, deliberate or otherwise, ultimately proves frustrating, especially in its unresolved conclusion. Now, the final one from David Cody of The Observer seemed the most positive of the three. So the play works both as political satire slash PC PSA and also as a philosophical study of human limitations. It does both brilliantly because Lee is, in fact, one of our boldest living playwrights, one I rank with Wallace Shawn, Suzanne Laurie Parks and Tony Kushner. She's superficially goofier and perhaps less lofty than those canonized worthies, but the thinking drills deep in the right is superbly executed for a hard clinical look at mediocrity straight white men is thrillingly great uh so it, these seem to run the gambit a, a little bit james from matt winman hated it david cody 
who seem to love it. So it'll be interesting to see if any of these reviews, and especially if something comes from the New York Times that is on one extreme or the other, how they play with the box office for straight white men. The, uh, it's not doing so great, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. Um, but I'm not sure that a review of a play like this really moves the needle too, too much. Yeah, some uh, big names in there. I don't think that they were really counting on the reviews to sell tickets. So uh, we'll have to see. And uh, we have to get in our uh, time machine because you said opening tonight, but this goes tomorrow. Oh, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Last yeah. night. Yeah. That type of thing. Yeah. Every, in the way back machine. Yeah. We're, we're all friends here. We know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not exactly sure, but I, I, I always feel like I don't know what's going on, but that's okay. <laughs> All right. So uh, next up in the news, Smokey Joe's Cafe opened on Sunday evening, and uh, not only were there reviews, but the reviews caused quite a stir. Yes, yes, they did. The review in question is by Laura Collins Hughes, who is writing for The New York Times. And many people have taken issue with the way that the critic chose to deliver a criticism of costume designer uh, Alejo Vietti's work. Speaking of one of the show's stars, Alicia Umphress, Collins Hughes wrote, quote, Miss Umphress, by the way, is bigger than the other women on stage. And the designer uh, Alejo Vietti doesn't seem to have known how to work with that, dressing her in a necessarily unflattering way. He does better with the skimpy yet not overly revealing pink fringe outfit Emma Degerstead wears and jiggles in for the leering number Teach Me How to Shimmy. A lot of people are considering this some uh, form of body shaming. And in fact, for her part, Umphress responded on social media saying, quote, it's shocking to see a woman, especially a woman whose social media would suggest she is pro-woman, body shame an actress who isn't a size zero and praise one that is. Her wording wasn't constructive. It was full-on mean girl. It's 2018. We should be celebrating women's diversity in the arts, not shaming them, by the way, for being the biggest of the girls. And while the overall point was to malign the costume designer, her phrasing made me the sacrificial fat lamb, and she put fat in quotes, truly disappointed and saddened by her ugly and pointless description. Also, I think I look ferocious. I, I think that's a cool <laughs> kid way of saying ferocious. So um, many stage and screen luminaries voiced full-throated support for Umphress, including Casey Levy, Jim Te Jen Tepper, Ellen Marsh, jo Zoe Kazan, Betty Gilpin, just to name a few. There were many, many people uh, jumping uh, on her side of this argument. However, Collins Hughes defended herself and her review on Twitter, responding to messages saying in one post, quote, I did not critique or praise anyone's body. I said the shimmy costume worked better. It is not shameful to be big, and I didn't suggest that it is. In another quote, she said in another post, she said, quote, my issue was with the particular costume. It was on a human body. I said nothing negative about anyone's body. Now, James, I typically tend to hesitate to wade into any topics like this as a man. Uh, you know, I realize that I probably can't even fathom nearly the full scope uh, of this issue and all of the implied uh, expectations that goes on with being a woman, especially one of the performing arts. But not having seen the production, I will assume that Collins Hughes's criticism of the costuming is valid. We'll just take that um, at her word. However, I, I don't think that it that, that that her critique of the costuming was what anyone had a problem with. Instead, to me, the issue is how she framed her critique, saying, quote, 
Miss Umphress, by the way, is bigger than the other women on stage, feels unnecessary to make her larger point, as well as being callous and tone deaf for someone writing for the theatrical paper, paper of record. Collins Hughes could easily have made her point about the designs without feeling the need to so negatively single out Umphress. Anyway, as the as of the time that we're recording, the Times has not commented publicly, and I don't know that I expect them to. Uh, and following her handful of tweets around noon yesterday, uh, Collins Hughes hasn't commented again as well. This is an issue that we we talked about internally at Broadway Radio uh, a great deal, um, and we're going to put together a special show that talks about these type of issues uh, in the entertainment industry and in the media as well. So I think we should just leave it for there right now. All right, Matt, why don't you get us on to last week's Broadway grosses? All right. Well, this is going to be another one of those weeks that looks worse than it actually was. A lot of weirdness going on with the summer grosses the last few years. But... Overall, Broadway dipped $474,000 last week, but we can blame it all on Bruce Springsteen because he only did two shows last week. I don't know if those are the two shows that they filmed, if these were extra shows or if they were two shows. He didn't chart. I don't know how it worked, but he only did two shows, meaning that his week to week grosses plummeted $1,446,033. So besides the boss, Broadway was up about a million bucks last week. Last week's total was $36,855,921. So let's start talking about shows uh, specifically by looking at two musicals that began previews last week. Let's start first with the good news. Pretty Woman played just two performances, but managed to gross nearly $329,000 over at the Nederlander. If that average held over a normal eight-show week, it would be good for $1.31 million. However, over at the Belasco, getting the band back together did only $229,555 in six performances, or the equivalent of a $306,073 week. Obviously much different there. Now, the first week of previews obviously won't tell you everything that you need to know about the box office prognosis for a show, but it certainly tells you which way things are heading. It was another week of bad news for another musical in previews as Head Over Heels dipped close to 23K last week to come in at $284,400 even, the lowest grossing show to play eight performances last week. Again, James, I would recommend to anyone who wants to see the show, do it sooner rather than later. I don't have any insight as to if they'll close anytime soon, but buying a ticket early will definitely guarantee you get to see, give you a better chance to see it. And it might help them uh, in the bottom line and stay open a little longer. OK, let's get on to some good news for the grosses. At the top was Hamilton at three point one four million, followed by The Lion King at two point four eight, Harry Potter at two point two two, Frozen at two point one. And looky here, Hello, Dolly at just over two million dollars last week. Welcome back, Miss Midler. They were followed in decreasing grosses order by Wicked, Aladdin, Dear Evan Hansen, Mean Girls, The Book of Mormon, The Phantom of the Opera, Come From Away, The Band's Visit, and the recently announced to be closing School of Rock, all over $1 million. Lots going on in these this week's grosses, James. Lots of weird things, lots of quirks and stuff, as it has been for most of the summer. But overall, a pretty good week. Uh, in celebration of Hamilton, I'm going to have a piece of pie. Ah, uh, 3.14. I see what you did there. See what I did there. All right, Matt, do we have any other news to cover today? 
We do. It was announced less than an hour before this podcast went live that the acclaimed London run of John Logan's Red, directed by Michael Grandage, starring the great Alfred Molina and How to Get Away with Murder star Alfred Enoch, will be filmed and screened in movie theaters in both the UK and the US beginning on November 7th of this year. Yesterday, we also learned that when Melissa Benoist flies back to National City for season four of Supergirl, Abby Mueller will be returning to the role of Carol King in Beautiful on Broadway. She will return to the role that she played both on Broadway and on tour beginning on August 7th. Another star replacement will happen over at Irish Rep where Tony Honors recipient Ben Davis will take over the role of Dr. Mark Bruckner from Stephen Bogardis and On a Clear Day You Can See Forever opposite Melissa Errico beginning on August 9th. You'll remember the show recently extended three or four weeks into September past Labor Day necessitating this move. And finally, James, uh, some sad news. Uh, veteran theater critic Joe Dominowitz was caught up in a mass layoff over at the New York Daily News at the hands of reprehensible media organization Tronk. They let go of, I believe, more than three quarters of their newsroom, including Joe, apparently wanting to focus more on, quote, breaking news, which is media speak for clickbait. Um, I know that we, along with many others in the theater community, uh, fans, actors, writers, uh, other media members, uh, will be very sad to see him go and hope that uh, someone else picks him up very soon. If you would like more information on any or all of these stories, please check out the show notes at broadwayradio.com. I hate to leave on such a negative uh, thing, so let me throw in a congratulations here for... Hannah S. Sharif is the new artistic director at the Repertory Theater of oh, St. Right. Louis. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, and uh, and she will be taken over uh, at the end of Stephen Wolf's retirement, the end of the 2018-2019 season. And uh, Woman of Color taking over uh, a theater in the Midwest as an AD. I'm very excited about this. Yes, yeah, she's coming from somewhere in D.C. or Baltimore. Am I getting that correct? Uh, she was a Baltimore Center Stage's associate okay. artistic director since 2014, uh, and she directed there. She directed Pride and Prejudice, The Christians, Lily, Dios, Lily, Lily, that that yeah, one, that one, that one, mm-hmm. and uh, that that French one. And uh, <laughs> so this is awesome. We're really excited that. Uh, the rep has, has picked her as the new artistic director. All right, Matt, why don't you get us out of here? All right, thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWWMATT. And my name is James Marino from BroadwayRadio.com and BroadwayStars.com. Thanks for spending some of your Tuesday with us, and Matt and I will be back and talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.